I, uh, our family was uh, staying at like a, a resort in uh, Florida, and in the middle of the night, this has happened to me twice in my lifetime. Once, it just happened to be in a place where there was lots of other people around. Uh, I was sleeping. I was having a nightmare, uh, and I actually screamed while I was sleeping. Something bad was happening in my nightmare. I don't know. Have you ever had the nightmare where you're like trying to scream and you can't scream? That was the one, and apparently I got a scream out, uh, and it, my wife said it sounded like a shrieking 13-year-old girl. Uh, and like security knocked on our door, and my wife was like, no, that's just my husband shrieking. Everything's fine. Uh, that's my weirdest sleep story. Um, I, I'm really sick today, guys. Uh, I've, uh, I, this week has just been one of those weeks where I've, I've had a fever all week and cold and cough and um, achiness and all of those kinds of things. Um, and I, I, uh, there's, there's kind of a, a rule among preachers that when it's your turn to preach, you, you preach. Like you don't, you, you get, you, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Amen, says Douglas. Uh, that, that you just, you just push through. So there was, there was, uh, there was one time I, 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 uh, I was so sick. I was preaching at a junior high camp and there was a bunch of, which is a whole new experience of preaching, right? Uh, but I was preaching at a junior high camp and I had the flu and I had been throwing up all day. And I, I was, uh, I, I told the worship leader, I was like, Hey, at any point, if I, if I just say we're going to pray or we're going to go to song, you just get up there and do something, right? I just, just get up there. And I, I'm preaching, and I'm feeling myself turning green, and I was like, uh, John's going to come up and lead a song, and then I ran out the back door, threw up, and then came back up and did an altar call. Uh, it's, just, it's just what we do. Us preachers are tough. Y'all think that we're not tough. We, we push through. So this is, this is I, I felt like this message was so important because we're, we're kind of rolling out our new vision for the church. So this is my Jordan flu game right now. Three of you know what that means, but uh, I don't, in, in first service, I asked how many people watched the dunk contest last night. Can you guys just tell me how many watched, okay, thank you, there's at least a few of you. In first service, there was one person, I'm like, what, do we even like each other? Like, can we, I don't even, it's all right, I'm going to teach you guys to like basketball. Uh there are, there's moments when I feel like, uh, as a preacher, my job's just to get up here and preach. Um, there's moments when I feel like I need to teach through something, either theologically or scripturally or doctrinally, just kind of walk through something. And then there's other times where I feel like the job of a pastor in this moment is to kind of give us clarity on where we are and where we're going, to kind of name what God's doing in our midst uh, and what he's inviting us into. And so I'm really excited today because this has been um, three years of processing and praying. Uh, I will, uh, it'll be, I'll, I'll enter into my third year as your pastor in June of this year. So it's coming uh, pretty quickly. And well, I'm, I'm, I'm really apostolic and entrepreneurial and I love to dream and I love to go. And, and so a lot of these three years for me has felt like the Lord holding me back a little bit. Um, I don't know, like the, the horse inside the gate that's like ready to go, but, but there's something that's like, hey, let's, you know. So I felt like it would be wise for me to get to know the community before we started making huge decisions, for us to pray together, for us to discern together, for us to start really seeking the Lord and saying, all right, Lord, 
Like, what's the direction that you want us to run in? Rather than just start running and then have to change course and turn in different directions and all of those different things. And so uh, I'm really excited today because I feel like this is my invitation for the entire church to run. Uh, I feel like this is the Lord opening the gate and saying, hey, we've been talking about this. Now it's time to move. Uh, and so I'm really fired up about this. Um, and, and here's the challenging thing when you talk about vision. Uh, when you talk about vision, particularly in the church, it's easy for people to place the vision on somebody else. So it's easy for us to hear the vision of the church and say, that's your vision or that's their vision, um, but not to say that's our vision. Uh, and, and so as we talk about this, I, I just want us really clearly to understand that this vision is not a vision for the institutional church. Um, this vision is not a vision for this building. Um, this vision is not a vision for the staff of how we lead. It's not a vision for the leaders of the church on what we do. It's, it's our vision. We are the church, right? Um, all of us, every one of us. And if, if Grace Marietta is your church home, this is our vision. Uh, when, when you drive past a church, there's, there's different things that you can say about that church. You can drive past a church and you can say that church. Uh, I, I drive past a lot of churches and I just notice things about the churches. Like I'll say, hey, I bet that church has indoor bathrooms, like those kinds of things. I'll, I'll, I'll say, look at that church's sign, you know, like those kinds of things as you, as you drive past a church. It's just like, I bet that church. Um, and, and then you can drive past a church and, and you say like, that's their church, right? Like that's, um, did you know that so-and-so goes there? That's their church. Like, did you know that that pastor, he used to work here and now he does this and that's their church. And so there's this, that kind of naming. Um, a lot of you, when you drive past Grace Marietta, if somebody's in the car, you'll point at the church and say, hey, that's my church. Yeah, that's my church. That's a good thing. Um, and then the last kind of thing that we do is we say that's our church. It's ours. It's it's not that church, it's not their church, it's not my church, it's our church. And, and I want us to carry the posture as we begin to talk about this vision and roll this out over the coming weeks, that this is our vision, this is our church, and what we become is not dependent on what the staff does or what the staff decides or what the institutional church does. It's determined by what we decide to do with the vision that God's given us. Uh, and, and, and so the church is the only organization I know that exists for people that aren't here. It exists for people that aren't walking among us. It, it exists for the world around us. It exists for the community beside us. The church is about finding Jesus and, and, and following him into where he's called us, not just finding our preferences and leaning into that. So when we build the church, we're not building the church that we want to build. We're building the church that Jesus has called us to that reaches our community, which means we lay our preferences at the door. Uh, I, I do a lot of consulting through Gravity Leadership, and I'm amazed at the petty arguments that happen inside churches that just tear them apart. Like, there are so many churches that are, they're just arguing over, like, worship styles or the color of the carpet or, like, just crazy kinds of things that I'm like, that is, that does not matter. Like, what matters is, are we following Jesus and are we stepping into this? So, so when we think about vision, um, I always, I always am reminded, uh, my dad used to always try and get me to fall in love with, like, working on projects around the house. 
Uh, it never worked. I don't know if any of you have teenage sons and have tried this task. Um, I try it occasionally, and it never works uh, for me either. But, like, my dad would, like, open up the hood of the car and, like, start showing me what was going on in the car, how to fix it. This is how you change the oil, son. This, and I was like, nah, I'll just pay somebody $30 to do that. Like, uh, like, he would try and get me to work on, like, here's how you fix the sink, and I'd be like, yeah, I'll just pay somebody to do that, Dad. Uh, like, like that, and, and so not a lot of it stuck. Uh, there was a few things that stuck. I think my dad's fairly proud that I can do, like, two things around the house. Um, but I remember my dad, <coughs> excuse me, my dad and I were working on a project, and uh, our shed um, out in the back of our house was just kind of falling apart and dad was like we're going to rebuild it and we're going to just kind of reframe it and do a lot of work just to make sure that this lasts and, and so he showed me what to do and modeled it for me and like if, if this box here of the carpet here is the shed like my dad started over here and just started nailing things in and, and I noticed really quickly like my dad was already over here it was like 30 minutes in and he was all, like three-fourths of the way done and I had gotten like this far down the wall I had, I had like nailed like four things in I was like dad like what why why is this happening so fast for you and so slow for me and I remember he looked at me and said son I've been watching you one of the greatest challenges that you have is when you swing the hammer you miss about every about three of every four times <laughs> and so I, my dad's my dad had like old man strength right like he just he just knocked those, and so I was like swinging it, like I was just trying to get the, like maybe I got to swing it as hard as dad, I don't know, but, but the problem was I was missing the target. This is how we so often live, is we're just swinging in every direction, but we don't have a specific target of who we are, and so what, what I see in so many different churches is they're pursuing so many good things, but they're not pursuing the one God thing. They're not pursuing the one particular thing that God has called them to. And so they're swinging randomly, but they're not hitting the target. Uh, a vision is a picture that unlocks our passions. It's a picture that shows us, like, this is where our affections are going. This is where our resources are going. This is where we're going to invest and spend our time. Uh, it gives us direction and clarity. It gives us daily direction into what we should be doing. And so when we don't know where to go, we look to Jesus and we look to the vision that he's given us and we walk in that direction. The vision teaches us what our yeses should be and what our noes should be, which is really important for a church. Because listen, guys, there are so many good things we could be doing in the world, right? There are so many things as a church that we could be doing, but the problem is we have a limited amount of resources, we have a limited amount of people, and we have a limited amount of time. And so what I see so many churches doing is they have this giant menu, like this smorgasbord of a million things that they're doing, and they're not doing any of the things very well, but they're spread too thin in every front because whenever anybody comes to them with something good, the answer is yes. A, a vision gives us clarity of what do we say yes to and what do we say no to? What do we walk in every day? It's, it's the guiding principle. It's the picture that unlocks our passions. Um, vision gives pain a purpose. Vision gives pain a purpose. So, so when we're walking in the thing that God has called us to, if it gets hard, we see the purpose in it. 
If it gets difficult, rather than running away from the vision, we say, no, this is what we've been called to, so we're going to walk into it. It's like working out, right? If, I, I would never work out if I didn't get skinnier from working out. Are you with me? Like the pain has a purpose, right? I'm going to work out so that I'm not fat. Like that, that's what I'm going to do. Like I'm, I'm going to do this because there's a purpose in it. And so when the pain has a purpose, it makes sense. But when, when we don't have a purpose to it, we just, we quit. Like I would never go to the gym if I didn't get skinnier. Anybody with me? Like I, it just wouldn't happen. Like there's no point in me doing that. And so it gives the pain a purpose. And then the last thing vision does is it gives us unity. It, it bonds us together as one. And it helps us to know like this is the direction we're going and this is who we're becoming. And so we become united uh, around that vision. Um, so my family, uh, when, when we get in the car, I, it still happens to this day. I'm praying that there's a day when this stops happening. But when my children are in a car, like, like the car become, it's kind of like prison. Like, like you, you, you don't know how you got there. You're stuck in, an, in, in a tight space and everyone's fighting. Right? Like that. That's what's going on in this space. And so when we get in a car, the kids just instantly start fighting every time we get in a car. Anybody with me on this? Like a, a minivan is like the seventh stage of hell, I think, like for parents. <laughs> like it's just, I can't wait till I can sell a minivan. Are you with any parents? Like the day that I get rid of my minivan will be the greatest celebration of my life. It'll be like, we did it. We did it. You notice like when, when adults talk about their life, like they, they, they never say the best time of their life is when the kids are in the house. It's always like, yeah, when I was younger and it was awesome or when I'm retiring is amazing. I don't know. I love my kids. But, but in the van, in the van, it's just like a fight starts every time. And so uh, we, we, we try and play games to distract the kids because they're not very smart. Uh, and so we, they'll be fighting over things. And, and then we'll say, hey, we're going to play a game. Like, you, you know, you play the alphabet game where you, like, try and find the A's on the signs and those kinds of things, which my boys are way too old for any of those now. So any game is met with disdain now also. But when they were younger, we, we used to be able to play games. And one of the games that we would play is this game where we would walk through the alphabet. So my wife would say, I'm going on a trip, and I'm taking with me an apple. And then the next person would have to say something that starts with a B, Right? I'm going on a trip, and I'm taking an apple and a banana. And then the next person, it was C. So I'm going on a trip, and I'm taking with me an apple, a banana, and a camel, right? I'm going on a trip, and the next was D. And you have to, every time you have to repeat, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's terrible. Uh, but it, when you're in a car and you're a parent, you'll do anything to get them to stop fighting, right? And so you're just like, stop fighting. We're going to play a game. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about the ABCs. Um, but something about that, like by the time you get to the end of the alphabet, you remember all these things. It's crazy how you do that. So we're going to do that today with our vision statement. We're going to go word by word, and we're just going to learn the new vision um, in this way, uh, and it'll, hopefully it'll keep you from fighting, uh, and I don't know. Uh, the first word is this word. It's awaken. Everybody, everybody say that with me. Awaken. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 says this. It says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and the love of Christ will shine upon you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, 
making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, his good and perfect will. Wake up, O sleeper. There is this idea that in our life, there is a way that we can live our life where we're actually sleeping. There's a way that we can kind of clock in and clock out every day and walk through life asleep. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, in our culture, it feels like this is embedded in our culture. Like we can medicate ourselves with Netflix. We can check out the moment that we get home. We, we used to be a front door culture where everybody would gather on their patio and on the front, and now we become a, we pull into our driveway and we close the garage door and we go to our back porch. There's a way that we can live where we're actually asleep. In 1730, the first great awakening began to happen in America. And it's interesting that, that when revival came, um, George Whitfield, who's an Anglican preacher, began to preach, and his message was a message um, that regardless of your denomination, regardless of your social status, regardless of your race, uh, the Holy Spirit is available to you, is present, and is working, uh, and salvation is available to you. And it became this message that just caught on fire in the colonies at that point. And so uh, everybody began jumping in on this kind of amazing revival that began to happen. Wesley was a part of it. Edwards was a part of it. There was this cross-denominational thing. It was Prayer was involved in it. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All of these things were going on. But it's interesting that the language they used for revival was the Great Awakening. That something that was asleep woke up in the hearts of God's people. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever had that moment in your life where you feel like, I had this passion that I'd kind of forgotten about. I had this thing inside of me that stirred and was amazing, but it just, I don't know, when I was a kid, I left it behind. And now I'm feeling it come to life again. Have you ever had that moment? Like it's a beautiful moment when those things begin to happen. And there are huge consequences of, uh, of Christians who are living life as if they're asleep. Like if, if we're asleep, then the world's going to go hungry, right? If the people of God are failing to bear fruit, the world goes hungry. And, and, and when you think about Christian culture, American Christian culture in particular, what we've done is we've separated the clergy and the laity in such a way that we've decided that the greatest um, obedience of our faith is just to show up and sit in the pews and listen to somebody else do the work. We've actually decided that I'm going to write a check occasionally, and I'm going to put it in an offering basket, and when I do that, I'm paying that person to be my missionary, I'm paying that person to be the servant, I'm paying that person to create goods and services for me, and to give me some teaching, and what we've done is we've sat there asleep, and we've allowed ourselves to pass off our goal of following Christ in our everyday life, and we've allowed ourselves to just continue sleeping. Consumerism has killed the American church in so many different ways. That model of ministry is nowhere in the Bible, by the way. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, hey, this is, there's a clergy and a laity divide. This is how it works and this is how it functions. The Bible actually teaches us that we are the priesthood of all believers. That the moment we become followers of Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit 
that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we also receive the dreams and the visions that God has for our life, and then we live into those dreams and visions, and all of us are pastors, all of us are priests, all of us are missionaries, all of us are evangelists, all of us are the servants and the ambassadors of Christ in our everyday life. And so it's not something that we pass off anywhere, it's something that we step into. Leonard Ravenhill said this, he said, how can you pull down the strongholds of Satan if you don't even have the strength to turn off your TV? We miss our purpose when we're sleeping. And there's a way that we can walk through our everyday life where we're just asleep to what God's doing around us. Where we're just not noticing how he's speaking and how he's moving. We're not living into the adventure that he's called us to, and we're just simply asleep. Um, so we start with this idea of awaken. Uh, from there, we go to awaken each other. Let's say that together. Awaken each other. You guys, good energy. Good, and we're doing a lot better in first service with this. Um, awaken each other. So uh, when, we, when we talk about awakening, there's something beautiful that happens when we recognize that this awakening doesn't happen in a box, and it's not just an individual thing that happens. If, if I pulled this microphone down and set it here, and every single one of us came forward and talked about the moment that we received Jesus or the moment that we came to our faith, all of us would have a name or maybe multiple names of people who awakened us to the goodness of God, right? We would, there, would, there are people that are a part of our journey. Uh, and we believe that when it comes to salvation, but sometimes we don't believe that when it comes to discipleship. Right? There are people who discipled us. There are people who shared a word for us. There are people who urged us on and encouraged us. There's people that walked beside us. There's people that laid their hands on us and prayed for us. There's people that gave me direction for my life. Like when I, when I decided I was going to be a pastor, I, I can remember my youth pastor at that time writing me a letter. He wrote me a three-page letter. I was an eighth grader at this time. And I went to this youth event, and I was barely a Christian, Right? I mean, not, God's grace is sufficient and all those things, but I was hanging on by a thread, right? Like, uh, I, I was barely a believer at that point, and this guy's up there preaching, and he's like, God's calling young people to full-time Christian ministry, and I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. And I walked forward, and like, everybody in my youth group was like, him? And my youth pastor wrote me this three-page letter and put it in my Bible that night. And it said, I've been waiting for you to realize you're called to ministry for the last two years. And I've been praying for you every day that you would awaken to the dream that God has for you. I've been praying that you would see this. And he started calling out all of this good stuff that was inside of me that I didn't even know was inside of me. He said, you're able to teach and you don't even know that you can teach. He was like, you've got this pastor's heart and you didn't even know that you had it. And as he's telling me these things, like something's awakening in me. I'm like, yeah, I'm good at this. Like, I got this. I was 12, right? I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. But something was becoming awakened in me because we don't just simply awaken in a box, right? It's not just that God or the Holy Spirit just zaps us suddenly. We awaken in community. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 17 and 18, Paul has had this amazing experience on the road where, 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 where God comes to him and says, why are you persecuting me, Paul? 
And, and, and suddenly there's a change in direction for him. But in order for Paul and Saul at that time, I guess is who it is, to awaken to the vision that God has for him, which is you're going to take the message to the Gentiles and you're going to be this missionary and theologian. In order for that to happen, he needed someone else. So it says this in verse 17, it says, then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. He placed his hands on Saul and he said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who has appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you can see again and awaken and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Man, I want to be an Ananias in other people's lives. Isn't there something beautiful about this? That our words... That the way that we encourage each other, the way that we stand with one another, the way that we walk with one another actually has the power and authority to wake something up inside of each other. That the scales fall. I don't know, has anybody ever come to you and, and like they started teaching or they started sharing something or they started encouraging you and, and the scales fell? You're like, I understand that now. I didn't, I didn't know what that looked like or I didn't know what that was supposed to be until this person entered into my life and all of a sudden I, I get it. All of a sudden I have direction. All of a sudden I have vision. Uh, all of a sudden there is this dream and when he placed his hands on him, something came alive in him. That's the dream that we have. Uh, I, I keep getting the same prophetic word. This, I, I'm really slow, so God has to give me words like 15 times before I start to get them. But over the last three or four months, it's been really cool. Something's coming alive in me around this dream. Um, when I was a freshman in college, uh, I was a basketball coach at a local high school. I loved basketball. Um, and I was also an intern at the church uh, in, in the community where I was interning as their like youth intern. So I was like the youth pastor. Um, and... Over here, I love this basketball thing. I loved coaching young men. I loved being with them, and, and, and I, I loved all that was happening there. And, and, and I, I kept getting promotions. Uh, like I, I just got lucky to get with a really good group of boys. So my first year, we went undefeated in one state. And then so the next year, they promoted me to be like the varsity assistant and the JV coach. And so I was coaching basketball here. But things were going really well over here, too. So when I graduated... From college, uh, the church that I was working with offered me a full-time job to be their youth pastor, not just an intern anymore, um, which is good because they pay you more when you knew that. Um, our, in, our residents know that. Um, and, then, and then over here, uh, the, when, I graduate, when I graduated, they offered me the head coaching job of the high school that I was a part of and said, you'll be the athletic director and you can coach. And I couldn't do both. I tried to figure out a way that I could do both. And I couldn't do both. And so I prayed and just started seeking the Lord. And the Lord was like, I, you're, you're supposed to be a pastor, which is, the Lord was right about that. Uh, so what I did at that time was I was like, all right, this dream has to die so that I can live into the dream that God has for me. Over the last three to four months, people keep coming to me and saying like, hey, I don't know, this is weird, but I got a word for you. And they keep saying to me, hey, the dream that died coming back to life, and what you thought you had to give up to get one thing is going to become two things, which is beautiful for me. So I'm working with our Go Hard basketball program, and you know what I've always thought about, how, how my perspective has been with this, is like I pastor over here, 
and then I do this for fun. But this is separate from this. It's not the same thing, which is weird, right? Isn't it weird how we integrate our life like that, where we don't believe that we live like one life and that, like, I, like I'm a pastor from nine to five, and then I check out and I'm just not a pastor anymore or something like that? Isn't that ridiculous? Um, and here, here's what I think God's doing. Like, I think something's going to happen in the coming years where this and this become one, where these two things begin to merge. Um, we awaken each other to live kingdom dreams. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, so, so what begins to happen next is we awaken each other to live, to live. Uh, let's say it together. Awaken each other to live. Um, the goal of discipleship is not for us just to believe, it's for us to live, right? It's an embodied demonstration of trust. And so what we're not suggesting here is we're just going to sit around and dream all the time. Uh, I would actually enjoy that. Is anybody in here that's just like an idea person? Like when you hear a good idea, you just feel like a rush of adrenaline, like you just... Like, I love, that's one of the reasons I love my work with other pastors, is I love to just sit down with them and talk about the dreams that they have, and, and I, I feel like an adrenaline rush when that starts to happen. Um, I, I could just sit around and talk about ideas all the time, um, but the goal is, is not that we just awaken these dreams and are like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we, it's that we actually live them. The goal is to live it. Douglas Cheney says this, he said, you only truly believe that which moves you to action, Dallas Willard says, to believe something is to live as if it was true. It, it, it's embodied in our living, in our walking, in the way that we step into things. It's not that we just believe these things or just believe that God has a dream for us. It's that we live into the dreams that God has for us. Um, I, can, I can believe that, um, that Kim Jong-ul is the leader of North Korea, right? I can believe that, but that doesn't mean I'm a follower of him because I believe that. Does that make sense? Like we somehow think in our faith that just because I believe that Jesus is Lord that I'm somehow living into that. Uh, belief is demonstrated by our actions. Belief is demonstrated by the life that we always live. It's just not that we just cognitively believe it and understand it in our head. It's that we live into it. It's that we walk into it. It's that we live into the action, and, and, and then our life causes us to step out into those dreams. Um, next part, awaken each other to live kingdom dreams is the next part. And the key word here is kingdom. Let's, let's say this together. Awaken each other to live kingdom dreams. The key word here is kingdom, because I, I, I think I have lots of dreams that don't have anything to do with God. I would still like to play in the NBA. Anybody with me? Like when I watched the dunk contest last night, Aaron Gordon jumped over a seven foot six man and dunked a basketball in the process. That's cool. I want to do that. Anybody with me? You need to watch it first. I'm like, some of you need to watch it, but I, I, would, I would be fine with being able to do that. Like that's a dream of mine is to be able to do those kinds of things. Um, it's not a realistic dream um, because I'm a 46-year-old white man who can't jump at all. But, like, it, it is a dream of mine. Like, I, I would love to be able to do those. Like, but, but it's just not something that's going to happen in my life. Uh, so what we're not saying is, like, we're just going to sit around and we're just going to dream and come up with ideas. And, like, whatever you want, 
we go pursue. What we're saying is, as a community, what we do is we co-discern what's a kingdom dream and what's a selfish dream. All right, so scripture says, do not have selfish ambition or vain conceit. It doesn't say don't have ambition. It says don't have selfish ambition. And so what I need to understand is, is, do I dream this dream because this is what the Lord has placed on our heart, and this is where the Lord is calling us to go, or am I dreaming this dream because somehow I think I might get the credit and it would be really cool? One of my mentors said, you want to know the difference between God's dreams and your dreams? In your dreams, you get the credit. In God's dreams, he gets the credit. So we discern together, what are the dreams of God? What's, is this a kingdom dream? Is this what God's calling us to do? And, and, and what we don't do is we don't surrender our dreams to the church. Like this is what people often do. They'll, they'll have lunch with me and they'll be like, hey man, here's my dream. You take it and do something with it. Like this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the church. The job of the church is to equip and unleash God's people to live as ambassadors of Christ in the, in the world. And so it is not that you come and you surrender your dream to the institutional church and maybe they do something with it. If you come to me and are like, I have a kingdom dream, I believe that God has led us, the first thing we'll start doing is we'll start discerning whether that's from the Lord. And if we believe it's from the Lord, then the second thing we're going to do is we're going to start equipping and discipling you into how to make that happen. This is what's happening with our foster care ministry right now. A group of people in our community started becoming passionate about foster care. They came to us and said, we've got a dream. But it wasn't like a, hey, Ben, you got to do something with my dream. We started discerning together. We were like, yeah, we think the Lord's in this. And not only is the Lord in this, but there's not just a dream, there's a team. Like there's a group of people in our community that all want to do this, that are all hearing the same thing from the Lord. So if a bunch of people are hearing it, and if God's working in a bunch of our hearts, why don't we put you guys together, and why don't we pursue this? The same thing has happened with the clothing drive that we're doing. Like it all came as a dream, and now a bunch of people are experiencing breakthrough because of that, and are experiencing what God's doing because... A dream was awakened, and we started walking beside each other in the midst of that dream. So we want to awaken each other to live kingdom dreams. Frederick Buechner said this. He said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meets. For, for me, this basketball thing has become a place where my deep gladness, I love coaching guys. I love the game of basketball. Like my, I have deep gladness when I'm around these boys. I love being around the team. Like I like being in the van with them. I like, I like it that Ja'Cory comes into my office in the morning and will not stop talking to me. Like, like I, I love these things. Like I love being a part of these kinds of things. I like that stuff. So my deep gladness, but there's also a hunger there. Um, you, know what, you know what the accomplishment I've done in ministry that makes me more proud than anything else I, I can speak to? Every single Father's Day, I get 15 to 20 texts from boys I've coached that say, happy Father's Day, coach. And the first time it started happening, I, I, I texted the kid back. And I was like, thanks, man. Why, why are you texting me? And he said, because you're the closest thing to a father I've ever had. Deep gladness and the world's hunger meets and a kingdom dream. We want to awaken each other to live kingdom dreams in a world that's fast asleep. This is it. This is the last one. This is our vision right here. This is the final statement. Can we say it together? 
awaken each other to live kingdom dreams in a world fast asleep. Um, a lot of the work we've been doing in our community is just this discernment around, like, what's Marietta? Um, and, and I don't know that I have a better way to define Marietta than fast asleep. We are all moving fast. Everybody's busy. Everybody's driving downtown for work, driving back. Everybody's running their kids to a million different things. Everybody's trying to get ahead. Everybody's busy. Everybody's doing all kinds of things. But whatever, all these things that are making us busy are not really giving us life. We're fast asleep. Fast asleep. And the question is, how do we awaken each other to what God is doing? In Mark chapter 5, Jairus, who's a synagogue leader, came to Jesus said, my daughter's sick. I need you to come. I need you to heal my daughter. And Jesus began to walk with him and journey with him. And as he was walking with him, in verse 35, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. And they said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Verse 37 He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw there was a commotion and people crying and wailing loudly. And he went up and he said to them, why all the commotion and why all the wailing? The child is not dead. She's just asleep. And they laughed at him. (laughs) Can can I just tell you, um, Marietta is not dead. It's just asleep. Can I just tell you the next generation, our young people, These boys that I coach, these kids that go to school down the street, they're not dead, they're just asleep. Can I just tell you that the Muslim world is not dead, it's just asleep? Can I just tell you that person in your office that drives you crazy (laughs) is not dead, he's just asleep? And what if we become the people who awaken the sleeping? And we awaken each other to the goodness of of the glory of God. We awaken each other to something fresh and something new. We awaken each other to something beautiful and something begins to come to life inside of all of us. And so, so here's what we need. We're gonna, we're gonna journey through this over the next five weeks and we're gonna start rolling out our values, which is kind of our, like our operational glue of like these are the things that we believe and these are the things that we're gonna become and we're really excited about this and like I said, we've been working on this stuff for three years Um, But here's what we need from everybody. The the thing that we need is we need prayer and participation. Like we need prayer of like, all right, Lord, if if this is what you're calling to us to do, then wake us up, right? Wake up dreams. Wake up sleepers. Wake us up from the sin that's entangled us. Wake us up from the brokenness that we've lived into. Wake us up from the cynical nature of like just walking through life and not actually dreaming and living into the things you've called us to. Wake us up to your goodness and glory. Wake us up to the dreams that you've planted in our hearts. Wake us up to something new and, and, and wake me up, right? Not just wake everybody else up. Wake me up to the dreams that you have for me. Make, wake me up to something beautiful. Um, vision without action makes us a visionary, right? I got a vision but I don't have a lot of action around it. Action without vision means it, we, we lean into drudgery, right? I'm just doing the work, but I don't know that it's taking me anywhere. Vision and action together makes us missionaries. That's what I want us to be. 
I want us to be missionaries to the community of Marietta. I want us to be missionaries to the schools down the street. I want us to be missionaries in the foster care world in our community. I want us to be missionaries for people who are hurting. I want us to be missionaries for the widows and the orphans and the at-risk kids. I want us to be missionaries for the basketball players in our community. I want us to be missionaries at every single one of the places we work. And imagine what begins to happen when the church is not about this one dream that we're leaning into. but it's about hundreds of people being missionaries in the place that God's called them to. Because every single Monday, tomorrow morning, we're all waking up and we're going somewhere. And the question is, are we awake to God in that space? Are we awake to the dreams that he has for us? Are we alive in Christ so that he's speaking something and doing something big? Are we just the walking dead, just sleeping? And so I I don't know about you guys, but I want to live awake. I want to be alive in Christ. And I want to be the type of community that believes that kingdom dreams still change the world. It's Black History Month. And Tuesday morning, our staff, if you guys want to join us, just text me or anybody from the staff. We're heading down to the Civil Rights Museum. We're going to spend the day there, and we're going to go to Ebenezer Baptist Church. And and as we go to that place, I, I... I've already started praying, like, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Like, this tiny little church in Atlanta changed the world. Like, the sermons that came out of this tiny little space impacted the entire generation of people. It changed the world. And so, Lord, do it again. Continue to bring the, like, give us the dreams that believe that we can actually change the world. Give us the the dreams to believe that you're actually doing something bigger than ourselves and bigger than what we can accomplish and that when we connect our dreams with your purposes and your power and your authority that something amazing begins to happen. And so will you pray with us that he'll do it again and then will you participate in it? Will you start dreaming? Will you start praying and asking the Father, what's your dream for my life? What's your dream for my next step? What's the vision that you have for me? And maybe I've been locked in a job that doesn't let me follow my dreams and the the thing that I need to do is I need to step away from that job and step into the dreams that God's called me to. Let's just start praying and participating together. See what the Lord does. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you're good. Thank you that you are the dreamer and that your dreams for us are good. That your dreams for us are the things that will actually bring us to life. And so, Lord, I just pray for each and every person in this room. I pray that your Holy Spirit will begin to awaken something new in them. I pray that you would speak words of power and strength and authority. I pray that you would call us into the activity that we were created to live into. I pray that you would remind us of who we are and the dreams that you had from us since creation. I pray that the works that you've prepared for us in advance would be revealed to us so that we can walk into them. And Lord, as you begin to speak, I pray that you would teach us to be a community that loves each other enough to surround each other and to equip each other and to call each other to something greater and something bigger. And Lord, we just pray that you would make us a dream factory, Lord. 
I pray that you would increase the sending power of Grace Marietta. I pray that you would send us an army of young people who would come into this place and would dream about their future and we would be able to become the people who equip them to their dreams and send them out. I pray for an army of disciple makers who have wisdom and discernment about where you are and what you're doing, who can walk with others into their dreams. And I pray for inspired dreams and visions that awaken inside of our hearts and inspire others to dream. So, Lord, we just submit. We're so open-handed with this, God. We just submit and surrender this vision to you, and we just say, Lord, use us. Lord, guide us. Lord, direct us. Take us to anywhere you want us to go. But teach us to love each other. Teach us to live in faith, and teach us to believe that a kingdom dream is still possible. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. It's communion tables open all around the room if you want to come and take communion as we worship together and wrap up the service today.